0: need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag and drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, your scheduling appointments, or to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result will be stunning. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Happy Friday. It was premiere week. Did you catch the show? Follow the Leader aired on Wednesday night at 10 p.m. And if you didn't catch it, that's okay. You still have all weekend to catch up and just want to know what you thought. I've been getting emails and tweets and all sorts of pings, people telling me they loved it. They thought it was insane. Um, Sophia's here, actually. Sophia, my lovely assistant. How are you today, Sophia? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. You've been with me on this journey from the first day. So I feel like we've kind of both given birth. (laughs) (laughs) Not as much as you, though. You've been the
1: one who's been running around. You've been on private jets. You've been running around. It's so painful. I know. I know. But no, it's been, uh, it's been a fun journey.
0: It's so nice to see it all come together in 22 minutes plus commercials. You can't, like, <laughs> people don't know this. Like, what you know, I was filming that first episode with John Paul DeJoria. I was gone for about a week in yeah. Los Angeles. And then we were, were, we flew to Austin where he lives, uh, full time on his private jet, no less. Um, but we shot about 14 hours of footage, 14 hours. Wow. To get to 22 minutes, that is a hero. Whoever can edit that. Um, Patrick Frazier, shout out to him for editing that episode that uh, I can't imagine. There's deleted scenes and all sorts of goodies over at followtheleader.cnbcprime.com if you're interested, but uh, let me know what you thought of the episode. There are many more to come. We've got Leor Cohen. We have. Gary Vaynerchuk, who is the founder of VaynerMedia. We have the Warby Parker founders, Katya Beecham, who is a uh, co-founder of Birchbox. And of course, many of you know, Tracy Anderson. She is the celebrity fitness st- uh, guru, uh, most notably trains Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, in the past, she's trained Madonna. And I think she trains Jennifer Lopez. And you and I, Sophia, we're trying to get into one of her classes, but it may take a while. I think it might. <laughs> <laughs> There's a waiting list. This is not me joking. I'm not joking. There's a waiting list to get into one of her classes as a uh, as a member. So it's like $900 a month. Uh, you can drop in, and I think it's like $45 to sweat your buns off, but people love it, and she's, uh, she's exploding. All right. Let's go to today's question, Sophia. You've been kind enough to round them up for me and uh, pick – the latest, I guess. We're a little behind on questions just because uh we only do this We're getting so many. I know we do this once a, a week, right. And we only have so much time. So if you haven't heard your question you know answered yet and you asked it recently, don't despair. It may be next week. Um so we try to really keep it to uh, up to up to date as much as possible. So what's who's first?
1: All right. First we have a question from Casey. Um, all right, Casey says, "I will be graduating from graduate school next year and we'll have 60,000 in student loans at five point eight percent interest. How should I prioritize paying off this debt versus investing? Should I pay off these loans first and then start investing? or is there another strategy I should consider? Thank you for everything you do. I listen to your podcast every morning.
0: Oh, thank you, Casey. That's impressive. I don't do anything every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky if I can get out of bed and like make a coffee in my Carrick every morning, um, which doesn't always happen. So I really appreciate your commitment to the show. And I think, Casey, that It does seem as though with $60,000 in student loans and maybe making a starting salary that it's impossible to save. It's impossible to invest. How can you? Because you have to, of course, pay for housing and also, um, food and gas and all those other things that are, that are needs. But I think that, um, it shouldn't be this all or nothing. Approach or mentality, you know that it is possible to pay off your student loans and get acquainted with investing at the same time. Now, are you going to be able to do? Are you going to be able to invest full force, a hundred percent, as much as you'd like while you have this debt? Probably not. We have to be realistic. But I think that to to believe that you have to wait until these student loans are out of the picture, which could take ten years that you have to wait that long before you have can really dive into the stock market and invest and invest for your future, I think is, it's not fair to you and it's not really true. It doesn't really have to work that way. And I think the best thing for you to do is to make sure that your student loans are priority, that you don't fall behind, that you get on a payment plan. And by the way, if you, a lot of times, if you get on an automatic payment plan for these student loans, where you're connecting a checking account to the student loan, payment every month automatically, then I think you can get a interest rate reduction. So talk to your lender about that. Usually it's a 0.25% interest rate reduction. So 5.8 in your case would become Uh, 5.55. Yes, I can do math quickly on my feet. And so over the course of the life of that loan, that could be hundreds, if not thousands of dollars saved. And in the meantime, what you could do is with your first job that you get, maybe they offer you a 401k, invest in that to the best of your ability. Ideally, it's 10% of your salary, but if you can't do 10%, maybe you do 6%, 7%, and then make a promise to increase it every year. Or if there's a match that your company offers you in that 401k that you save at least to earn that match. And if there is no 401k, then maybe you want to open up a Roth IRA. Do something. You can do something. And it doesn't mean you have to, again, go full force. But I think uh, just getting familiar with your, op- with your options, doing as best you can is better than nothing. And I, I sense that you're still young. So of course, now is the time to strike. Ah, oh, Sophia, you had the fortune of not having a student loans when you graduated from school, but I'm sure a lot of your, your peers did. And this is a, probably a question a lot of them ask, you know, I got it debt. Is, it is. What do I do? You feel trapped. But what do you think?
1: No, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I'm really lucky. Thank you again, mom and dad for paying for my college education. I mean, I'm so fortunate in that sense. But as you said, a lot of my classmates had uh, had student loans. And I think, what a lot of them have been doing is, you know, taking your advice, Furnish, what you just, you know, shared with Casey is, you know, paying off off what you have to and then of course, looking into your company's 401k and, and seeing if there are some other investment opportunities and if you do, and you can spare a little bit of that money every month just trying to put some money aside to, you know, invest in your future and prepare for the future.
0: Totally agree. I mean, I bet I think people get overwhelmed. They think they have to, they have to be ideal in everything that they do. You know, I'm going to pay off all my student loans. I'm going to invest with my fullest ability. But really, it's about getting into the habit of investing and getting familiar with it early on, so that when you suddenly do have the ability to invest more, that um, you've already gotten you've already hit the ground running, so to speak.
1: Exactly. And I feel like so many of your guests on So many say that the one thing they wish they had learned at a younger age is compound interest. So just Mm -hmm. every little bit counts now. So whatever you can put away, it will get bigger in the future. Yeah, whatever you can do.
0: All right, let's move on. Who's next?
1: The next question comes from Carlene. Carlene writes in, My friend just turned me on to your podcast, so I've listened to the first few episodes now, and I love it. I appreciate how most of the people you interview come from a place of positivity. I wanted to ask you, if I was ready to live without fear and buy a business, how do I prepare? Do I look at taking a basics in business ownership course? How do I know what I don't know yet? I was wondering how you prepared before you jumped into a podcast. My industry is insurance and I know insurance. However, I do not know business. How do I know if I can run a business? Any guidance would be greatly appreciated.
0: I think, you know, this is a really interesting question, Sophia, because I think that it's a legitimate question. You know, how do I know if I'm going to be good at being a business person? How do I run a business? And I think a lot of times on the show, we talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and the beauty of being your own boss. It sounds like starting a business can be very sexy and very appealing, but it does take a lot of work too. Where do you start? So I think, Carlene, if I were you, I wouldn't worry so much about the business Right now, you're going to have plenty of time to worry about how to run this business and you'll learn as you, you know, as you go along in some cases. The most important thing right now is that you identify what it is that you actually are passionate enough to pursue so that when you have to learn all the business Aspects of running the business, you'll just want to, you'll be passionate about that and you won't think of it as work and you'll just sort of do whatever you have to do to learn. Because right now, you're right. You don't know what you don't know, but what you can figure out and the only thing that you can figure out and not me, this is only something that you can do is figure out what it is that you actually want to pursue as a business person and get specific. you know and some and how to start, I would suggest is to first think about what it is that you're passionate about, what do you use, what do you practice, what do you believe in, what do you buy? you know t- look at your lifestyle, look at your life. And look at the things that you care about because, uh, it's important. I think ultimately to feel an attachment to whatever it is that you're pursuing. I think they're going to, that you'll just feel more excited about it. It doesn't have to be that way, but I think it's a, it's a fun way to start. And then from there, maybe looking at your lifestyle, looking at the things that you use, the things that you notice in your life. What's missing? What is the help that you need? that no one's really providing or the service that is seems to be underserved. For example, okay, I just learned that I'm a, allergic to metals that are found largely in like eye makeup and eyewear. That's why I've developed a little bit of a rash around my eyes. So, okay, fine. I've identified the problem. Now I want to go to the solution. I need to buy all organic eye makeup. Do you know that there's like not much organic makeup out there and the ones that are quote unquote organic still have metal sometimes in their formulas because metal is not considered a toxin really it's, it's it is natural and, you know like rocks and metals they're <clears throat> it's not like this um manufactured thing so I'm stuck. I feel like I don't really have a lot of choices. We do. We did find one product, but it's not readily available. It's not widely available. So, if I had the time and the bandwidth, Sophia, I think that we would be starting an all-organic, like you know, makeup line that is free of metals, that's free of allergens. Because I, I, the thing is, you know, then you do the research. You look at okay, if if you're this one person who's experiencing this pain point, how many other people are there like you? And so that's the next step in your. Research of your business is figuring out what is the market like. Would an idea, would this you know business service really serve a lot of people? Um, so that's what I would encourage you to explore right now. Is kind of figure out what your passion is. Figure out what kind of needs you think the market uh, demands right now within those you know passion plays. And from there, I think once you identify the thing, you know the business idea then you'll be more likely to go and find those resources. They'll sort of find you, I think, because you'll be so immersed in the research. You'll just sort of start to learn about things that um, – The, the business side of it comes to you a little bit more organically. Not that said, it's not to say that it's easy or that it's going to be so simple after that. It's just that I think this is a big step that you need to take first before worrying about all the like, you know, spreadsheets and numbers. Um, it's all important, but I think first you want to, you want to lead with the idea, uh, and then, and then look into the nitty gritty. And as far as how I started my podcast, I mean, that's really, I think true to how I started the show. I thought I thought, what's something that I really want to not just produce and host, but what's a show that I'd love to listen to that I don't think is really out there yet, that is within my wheelhouse. You know, I'm not gonna do a cooking podcast because I don't know anything about cooking. Um, but I know money and I know finance, I know business. So I thought I can provide that. And how do I provide that in a way that is not provided that's different, right? That's not out there in a million different in, – in the same form. Um, So that's kind of what led me down the path to developing so money. And then, of course, I learned how to do it. I bought a course <laughs> online, how to build a podcast. But I got through it quickly and excitingly because I had the idea first. So long answer to your short question, but hopefully it gave you some uh, some uh motivation. Have you ever thought of starting a business, Sophia?
1: You know, I have. And I actually have a really good friend of mine um, who we always talk to one another and we say, you know, we want to do something and we've thrown ideas around. I think we're still in that process. As you said, I mean, you get so inspired by different, you know, experiences, whether it's finding out that you're allergic to something and there's, you know, you now have a new need for a product that hardly exists out in the marketplace or, Um, you know, you see apps out there nowadays and how they serve new needs for us. And so we're inspired for sure. Um, But still, you know, coming up with various ideas
0: and brainstorming. So we'll see maybe one day. You will someday, you know, one day, one day for sure. I think, yeah, with apps too. I mean, I just started using Bitmoji. I'm so old. (laughs) Like I just figured it out. And then like the next day, I found out they got bought by a hundred million dollars by Snapchat. That's incredible. Um, and I don't. It's not like rocket science. They just found probably some person who could, you know, program these really cute images. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a skill set you can learn in college, right? if not just like an online course. So, Carly, Definitely. good luck to you, my friend, and keep us posted. Time for a quick break to put the spotlight on one of our sponsors today, Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit Wealthfront.com forward slash money. Okay, who's next? All right. The next question comes from
1: Lauren. She writes in, Hey, Farnoosh, I listen every morning and evening to and from work. I have two questions. One, should I open a Roth IRA? And two, should I use Acorn's or wealth front. I'm 28 and I make around 90000 a year. I contribute to my 401k, which has a company match. I also have two mutual funds open with Vanguard. I have tax back coming my way and cash sitting in a savings account. Should I put that into a Roth IRA? I need to do something with it. I could also use something to skim off the top of my checks and hide it so I don't mindlessly spend any York. My dad is anti both Acorns and Wealthfront, and he is my gr- guru, but sometimes old school. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Wealthfront and Acorns definitely not old school. Uh, so that may be where your dad is a little um, skeptical of uh, of these new techno you know tech driven. Very 3.0 ways to manage our money. Look, obviously I like Wealthfront, right? They're a sponsor of this podcast. I don't have to tell you that. If you go to wealthfront.com slash so money, there is a special offer for so money listeners. Um, basically where you get to have the first $15,000 managed for free and wealthfront, just like, you know, some of these other automated platforms out there. Are really a great low cost way to invest for your future. You know, a lot of people are fed up, including myself, with paying over one percent to have your portfolio managed. When really, at the end of the day, I'm not looking for someone to go in there and trade every day. I'm not looking for someone to even go in there and and really make movements weekly or monthly. This is, uh, you know, I I want to ride this out for as long as I can until maybe, you know, 60, 65, obviously rebalancing along the way. But, you know, if you want to save money, look at sites like Wealthfront and Acorns. Yes. I mean, Acorns is a mobile application. Basically, uh, what it allows you to do is invest. And again, kind of passively, you know, we're not hardwired to jump at the opportunity to save. I mean, let's be honest. Would you rather have something today or tomorrow? I'd rather have it today. So delaying gratification is not just, it's just not something that we. Like to do. And so there's, there's a lot of, uh, technology out there that addresses that. And Acorns is one of them, basically making, um, investing painless. You hook up a checking account or a, you know, a credit card or a bank account to Acorns. It monitors your transactions for every transaction. It rounds it up to the nearest dollar, takes that difference, takes the change, and then Puts that in a mutual fund that's designed based on your age, your risk tolerance, and your retirement horizon. Boom. And before you know it, by the end of the month, you might have a few hundred dollars saved. And they do believe strongly in cybersecurity. So if you're worried about that, you know, trust that any company that's finance based, that's finance related, that's on the internet, that's, you know, got a URL or has a mobile app their number one concern is cybersecurity. And so not to say that you shouldn't be worried about it, but there should be confidence in working with them. Should you open up a Roth IRA? Definitely. Definitely open up a Roth IRA. You've got the 401k. You've got the Vanguard accounts. A Roth IRA will just add to your existing mix of retirement accounts and will add another kind of layer of Tax benefits to what your existing tax benefits are with your different accounts. So with a four hundred and one k, the tax benefit there is that the contributions lower your taxable income today. With a Roth IRA, you contribute to the account and the money can be withdrawn from your retirement tax free. So that's cool. So you're you're basically diversifying your tax exposure in retirement with these different vehicles. And I think you know you should do it if you've got the money and you have the interest. Go for it. And I love that your dad is your, your guru. Um, maybe you should both, you know, check out Wealthfront or Acorns. Maybe he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He would, he might be pleasantly surprised. Let us know. Sophia, would you think that any of our parents would go for something like that? I think that that's, that's typical, right? That's like a, another generation, an older generation. Like they're used to going to their financial advisor in person. It's, it's just not the way things really work today especially for millennials.
1: No, I totally agree and actually I have an older dad, sorry dad. Um <laughs> he's two generations behind but I always feel like when I kind of walk him through he just got his first iPhone actually uh, a couple months ago so he's still learning how to use, you know, that just as is but when I start to show him some of these really cool apps, I mean he gets excited about it and I think, you know, he's just happy to hear that I'm interested in saving for my future. So I think when it comes to things like that, you know, he's he's happy that I'm at least trying to find, you know, cool and new ways maybe to to do that. And so I think if I were to show him something like an acorns or maybe even, you know, like something like Wealthfront, he would definitely be intrigued and interested to at least learn more about it. As you said, I mean, he definitely relies on a financial advisor, but um, you know, some of the cooler new technology, once you start explaining it to your parents, you know, I think they're just excited that you're you're taking a lot of, you know, your your finances and, and really trying to plan for your future. That's what matters in the end.
0: I agree. I completely agree. Because you're right, without these different technologies, what would we be doing? Perhaps nothing. It, these apps are helping us for the better. Um they're not all perfect maybe and not everybody is going to gravitate towards them, but I'm happy they're there because it's giving us an option to to invest, to save, and you know, I just interviewed, you're going to love this. It's coming up. We have um startup week coming up in so, on so money later this month, and I interviewed the founder of a new startup called Bestow, B S T O W, and what this guy is doing is really phenomenal because we've heard about apps that let you automatically say save or invest like acorns is also digit. This is going to let you automatically donate. So it'll look at your transactions on your bank account in your bank account and then round up every transaction to the nearest dollar, take the change and put it towards the charity of your choice. How cool is that? Because, you know, I think we all want to be able to donate more, but maybe we forget we, we lose track, but this way we can always be on the go, literally like donating to our favorite causes. So I think that's really fantastic. And I can't wait for that to come to the market. All right.
1: All Sorry. Right.
0: I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a glass of water <laughs> while you read the next question.
1: All right. The next one comes from Gary. He writes in, I know you'll think I'm crazy forever. Asking this, but is a four hundred one k a bad investment today? The market rides up and down with investors, not limited to the rules of a four hundred one k. Yes, the company matches a percentage and it's free money. But isn't your but isn't your money used to drive others' investors' stock, where they can buy and sell without penalty? Do you think taking your money and buying stock on a lower fee website is better, where you can cash out or reinvest?
0: Well, first, Gary, I don't think that you're crazy because I have gotten this question before. And I think Sophia, you might've been there. I was a business insider at a luncheon giving a talk. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And someone said, you know, all this talk about how 401ks are a sham and all these fees with the 401k. And look, I get it. You know, I hate paying fees like anybody else. And it's true, 401ks have fees. But at the same time, would any of us have retirement dollars saved if not for the 401k? I'm not sure I would, not to the extent that I do today. The only reason that I was able to save fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 in my 20s Um, was because I had a 401k and because our HR manager, Mary, scared the crap out of me when I first started there and said, you better save in this Farnouche. Otherwise you're stupid (laughs) because we had a match and she just said, look, do it. If you hate it, you can, you can stop it at any time, but just do yourself a favor and, and take a leap of faith and, and just invest in this thing and you'll, you'll be happier for it. I promise. And I'm so glad I took her advice and, Yeah, it was sort of free money at the time. They were matching, you know, 50 cents for every dollar. You know, you also asked the question of, would it be better if you just had the money, you know, in a portfolio, like at a brokerage where you could take the money whenever you wanted it, cash out? You know, yes, you technically could do all of those things. But if your goal is to save for the long run and to save for retirement, I don't know about you, but I don't trust myself enough to be able to have a portfolio that I'm allowed to access at any point penalty free. Because guess what, I'm cashing that baby out whenever I need. And I think that it's a lot more likely that I'll make knee-jerk impulse moves with a brokerage account than with a 401k, that I know that if I take that out, I have to pay a penalty before 59 and a half. So I think psychologically, a 401k works better than a brokerage account. That said, I have both. Right? Cause after a point, you max out of the 401k. There's a limit to how much you can contribute every year. So at that point, if you have more money sitting around and you want to put it to good use, then at that point, since you can't have two 401ks, technically, um, you could open up a brokerage account. And at that point, you know, still keep a long-term view. Don't be, I wouldn't be going in there picking and trading and um, swapping out stocks all the time. I would pick my set of stocks and my bonds and I would diversify and I would, you know, rebalance and and visit the portfolio monthly, quarterly, but I would not be day trading. Hey, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe something's going to happen in like 10 years that will, someone's going to pick this uh, podcast out of the archives and be like, she was wrong. But I will say that, you know, historically speaking, 401ks have been a great vehicle. And even today, uh, they serve a great purpose and they're not free. You know, they're riddled with fees. It's true. But I guess if they weren't, it would be almost too good to be true, right? You know what? I think I'm supposed to get you a 401k by next year, Sophia. I think that's like the, <laughs> new, I think that's the new IRS rules. You cannot employ someone full time without offering them at least a pension of some sort. It doesn't have to be a 401k, but I have to still, I have to like put aside money for you. Oh well, thank you in advance. You're welcome. You're welcome in advance. <laughs> um, okay, I think we have time for one more question.
1: All right, so the next one actually comes from a friend. I uh, yeah, a friend. Your of, friend or I, my friend? What? One, one of my friends, actually, a friend of my boyfriend's who is now my friend. <laughs> so all right, it's <laughs> like, not great how that how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's a good guy. All right. So the next question comes from Craig. He writes in, I recently visited Manhattan to see my friend Paul, who moved out there last fall, and to see if I might be interested in moving there myself. I enjoyed my visit and I've started thinking about applying for jobs there this summer. I currently live in the Boston area And I've thought about the higher rent for the areas that I would want to live in and prices of everything in New York. Are there any financial aspects about moving I should be thinking about that I may not be
0: considering? Also, any tips on negotiating a salary? Mm -hmm. Well, two different questions. Okay, first to address the moving. Um, By the way, I'm from Massachusetts as well. So I love Boston. I love New York. Both are great, fabulous cities. I think that you definitely want to think about your moving costs, you know, uh, and maybe if you're moving here for a job, they might be able to cover that for you. So definitely talk to if you're going to move here for a new job, Craig, talk to them about what maybe they will be willing to cover or at least help you afford as part of your transition. Maybe it is the moving costs. Maybe it is the gas of you know, the mileage that you're going to be driving from Boston to New York by yourself. Um, perhaps it's even, you know, the first month's rent while you're here looking for a solid place to live. So that could be one way to alleviate some of your transition costs. But also you want to think about taxes as you move to New York City. I think New York might have higher taxes than Boston, just to guess, because we're like the most expensive city in the Country. Um, and then, of course, you know, with housing, I, as someone who's lived here now, uh, oh gosh, I've, I've, I moved to New York in 2002. So, what's that? Uh, 13, 14 years? Um, I became a homeowner pretty quickly here, but I will say that sometimes the best places to find apartments are um still craigslist but also there are a lot of new websites that are popping up street easy check out craigslist um and also rent
1: hop is really great What is they that? have no rent hop they have no fee apartments they like filter out the no fee ones as well which obviously is, can be a huge help
0: yes oh that's a good one so rent hop okay and then of course roommates their safety and numbers <laughs> the more roommates you have the better off you'll probably be with regards to rent. Um, but sometimes people get savvy. You know, They'll rent out a one bedroom, but they'll make it a two by putting up a wall in the living room. And that sounds crazy, but um, depending on the layout of the apartment, it could work out really well. And if you have your landlord's approval, um, it could be a really great investment because over the long run, it could reduce your rent significantly by getting in two people instead of one. So good luck! I think it's fun that you're thinking of moving. I've moved a lot in my life, and so um, I know that there's a lot of emotions around it. But smart of you to be looking at also, you know, just the practicality and the cost. But talk to Sophia and definitely talk to Paul because he just made the move. I'm sure he's got some advice that he can help you with. And oh yeah, tips on negotiating a salary. I feel like that's your favorite topic. It is my favorite topic, but I I don't have all weekend to talk about it. I wish that. that could be its own episode. It could. <laughs> and it has been its own episode, Craig. It has, so yeah. I would suggest that you start to look at some of the archives. Go to so SoMoneyPodcast.com and search for salary or negotiation. A lot of times that will come uh, deliver some podcasts where we've talked about that explicitly. Um, but I would just say, you know, just if if nothing else, if I tell you nothing else about negotiating a salary, I will say this, just ask. Ask for the amount, the amount that you want. Actually, ask for more than what you want because you'll have to negotiate. And all employers anticipate negotiation. If they think you're not going to go in there and not rebuff or offer something, ask for something a little bit higher, then they're crazy. Um, you're not the crazy one, by the way, for asking for a little bit more because you're moving too, you know, so you have a higher cost of living in New York potentially. So make sure you factor that into your presentation. And I would do a lot of research too, before uh, going in for the kill. Good luck. I'm excited for you. And that's a wrap. Sophia, thank you so much. Thank you for having me back again. What was the website again? RentHop. RentHop.com. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Remember, follow The Leader every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific on CNBC. Check out SoMoneyPodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. That's where you can send me your questions. Hope you have a great weekend. I hope it's so money.